This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Jabba Chamberlain, uh, Yankees fan favorite, Yankees bullpen ace. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's not every day we get to speak to a 2009 World Series champion on this show. So thanks for dropping by, man. Yeah, you got it. Anytime. It's a, it's a great time of the year to talk. So uh, I love talking about it. Yeah, a lot up for grabs uh, with the current Yankees, and we definitely want to get your thoughts on some of the current team storylines that uh, you know relate to the way that you spent your career in the Bronx. Uh, feels like a natural place to start is the fact that uh, they are currently sort of turning the roster over a little bit, you know, giving the keys to Anthony Volpe. Austin Wells comes up at the end of the year. We're going through another baby bombers transition. You were part of the original sort of post-dynasty baby bombers. You know, you, Ian Kennedy, Phil Hughes gave everybody this hope coming up and, and that 06 draft was so important. I'd love to know a little bit about what it was like coming up through the Yankees system at that time. Uh, what was the development process like? Do you remember any of the big leaguers giving you great advice before, you know, your call up during your time in the minors? Well, I, I mean, I got a late start. I blew out my hamstring um, in spring training. And, you know, being that it was my first year, you know, they didn't have any of us go over to big league spring training. So nobody had really any idea who I was. Um, you know, I didn't get started till the middle of May. And at the same time, I got to know Husey pretty well, because if you remember his uh, first start in Texas, he had the no hitter, but then ended up hurting his hamstring as well. So got to know him and uh, Jeff Karstens was hurt at the time, too. And actually, the, the first two people to uh, to actually say something to me was Miguel Cairo and Carl Pavano. I know a lot of people don't want to hear Pavano's name, but he was good to me. So that's all I can go off of. But um, no, it was just kind of, um, you know, those guys being down there and, uh, you know, kind of being the young ones and and especially Husey just trying to get to, you know, his being the draft before and, and kind of the expectations and you know, he's not a huge talker, but, you know, got to know him and, and spend some time with him. So, you know, as, as we went up and um, did some things, it was just, it, it kind of happened all so fast in, in the aspect of what it was. I mean, nobody ever got to the big leagues that fast. And so no, and then getting to the big leagues, nobody knew who the hell I was. So, you know, obviously I knew who everyone was, but, um, but yeah, I think it was just the, uh, then triple a was kind of my goal was to get to double a and me and Ian, we were roommates, you know, both first round picks and, you know, got to know him and his family. And, um, so we kind of did it together as well. Like I would go, he would go, we would go at the same time. And, um, yeah, just getting to double a was my goal. And then one thing led to another and I make one start in triple a and then they're like, Hey, it's like, 50 people in my locker. And I was like, it was a good start, but it wasn't like anything crazy. It was against the Louisville bats. They had Votto and Jay Bruce and those guys. And so I was like, I don't know what's going on. So go out, do my regular stuff, get to the field tomorrow. And Mark Newman, God rest his soul comes in and he's like, Hey, it's true. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, yeah, you're getting called up, but and I'm like, hold on, do I cry? Do, what, what's going on here? He goes, but we're moving you to the bullpen. And I had never thrown out the bullpen. So I, I mean, I had no idea. Like, so he's like, you're going to get your normal five days rest. And he goes, I just want you to go to the bullpen and watch people. So I was like, Ross Ollendorf is there, Jose Veras. And so 
I'm watching what they do and I have no idea. I'm like, oh, so do I take four Advil now? Do I put this cream on? Like, I had no clue what the heck was going on. So then, yeah, it was, uh, I got the call. I just, just sat down and got my Wendy's. And um, next thing you know, they're like, hey, you're, you're going to Toronto. So, yeah, it, it, it all happened pretty fast. How'd you feel about um, that change going from starter to reliever? And, you know, it, it eventually kind of uh, permanently changed when you got to the big league level after a couple of years. Do you wish that you were more entrenched in one role or the other? Did you think it it maybe messed with your development? Do, do you have any regrets or wish you could re- redo part of it? I mean, no, I barely spent three months in the minor leagues and I was already in the big leagues. Yeah. I'd have folded towels and clean shoes if I was in the big leagues. I didn't shit. I didn't care. Um, no, I mean, the one thing it's always, it's always a thing that, that comes up and, and what did you prefer? Whatever. I, I didn't yeah. care. I honestly, like that's, that is the real genuine response. I'm not just feeding a bunch of BS. The one thing I will say where I wish it would have changed and is that it just would have been consistent. Yeah. Like when I, when I started, let it be consistent. I mean, Phil Hughes ran out there with a five ERA, but got 30 starts and they ran mm-hmm. him out there every fifth day. Mind you, he scored like eight runs every time he pitched, <laughs> but they let him do it. And that's probably the only thing. I mean, the back and forth of, if you go look back at my stats on when I started on an every five days in the 50 starts or whatever I made, the numbers are a joke. Like, but then when it's eight days, then it's six days, then it's, yeah okay, I can only go one inning. I can only go two innings. And you're starting the game, and I'll, I'll never forget, towards the end of the year, in 09, they're like, well, you can go two innings, two innings, three innings, and four innings. And I'm like, so you're telling me I can lose the game? Because I can't win it. Because yeah. I'm not going enough innings to be eligible to even get the win. So that was the frustrating part, that there was no consistency. There was, you know, I'd get, I would go six, seven, eight innings, and then they're like, oh, well, we got to cut you down because you're already at 125. So, and it ended, I ended up blowing out anyway. So what the hell does that mean? Like, you know, it's, it's obviously I was the guinea pig for it all. Um, and you know what? That's, it's fine. It, it's something that will always be talked about and the debate will never end. But I, the one thing is I loved doing them both. I just, when I started, I, I would have loved the consistency of, Okay, every five days so I could get in a pattern and create a routine. But then it'd be like, okay, two five-day starts, boom, really good. Okay, now you've got eight days. Well, you've got to work out even harder two days just to make sure your legs are good. You can never mimic being on the mound with the runner on second and third full count with, you You know, your nuts on the line. Like, it's just you can't. And I don't care what anybody says. You can work out as hard as you want. You can do whatever you want. But nothing's like being on the mound. Were you vocal about those frustrations or did you feel like maybe it was a little bit younger? You were young in your career and you didn't feel it was right to say anything. There's, I couldn't, what are you going to say? I mean, they called me up and put me in a position that nobody's ever been before. Um, You know, and it's kind of like, Hey, this is, this, this was the plans anyways of how they were going to do it. Well, the plans didn't play out like they said they were going to do. But yeah, I'm, I'm 21, 22 years old. I'm in the big leagues. I'm like, what, what can I say? I mean, I can talk to my agent about it and he can kind of relay the message, but I didn't want to be a punk in that aspect and not feel yeah. like I'm not grateful for, for what it was. So it kind of just 
let it play out. I mean, there was, there were times where I got frustrated and they knew it and we've had, we had conversations, but it didn't change it. It seems like the team is maybe trying to do something similar with Michael King right now, where he was, you know, bullpen starter in the minors, bullpen ace, all of a sudden a starter again at the end of this sort of weird loss season. And then they say he's going to go into spring training as a starter next year. Do you feel that that's the right call to make that transition? And do you also feel like they're in a different place now where they're going to do it? You know, they are going to give him that consistency rather than flipping back and forth. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, hopefully they learn from the mistakes. I mean, everybody's still there that did it. Um, and, you know, Booney obviously being in the media was, was part of it too. So the understanding of what it is, I mean, there was, there were literally years where I would go back. I went back and forth five times. One year. Started, then relieved, then relieved, and then didn't make, didn't go down to AAA. I closed, I, I was supposed to pitch two innings and then they were going to build me up from there. So they didn't have to send me down. Well, then the games closed. We're in Baltimore, get out of the inning, get the ball to Mo. They're like, hey, stay here. You're going to run out to the bullpen and finish your session. I'm like, the more I think about the shit that happened is like, this is ridiculous. Um, they would never do it today. It would never, never be done today. So to your point, I think it's if he goes in and it's like, hey, you're starting. I don't think it'll be like, hey, you're going to make four starts in spring training and then we're going to move you down like. I think they will give him that consistent factor of having a routine and, and getting it, getting it locked into uh, to be successful for the season. You think there was any like maybe um, uh, I, I don't know how dialed, how dialed in are you to the modern day Yankees? Like, do you follow like the fan pulse and what everybody's saying? And you're kind of, like, I don't miss a game. No. Okay, good. Oh yeah. So, so then you I mean, probably know most of the things we're talking about. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know the modern day, the, the present day Yankees. I think a lot of fans feel like um, there's uh poor communication or stuff that falls on deaf ears or just, you know, things from the top down don't get, you know, distilled, distilled as they should. Um, you were, you know, young in your career when you witnessed a, a managerial change, you know, you were there for Tory and then Girardi came in. Um, what was it like to experience like such a momentous change in the dugout as a, as a young player, um, did that have, you know, did that have an effect on, um, you know, you personally in your development or like, uh, and what was the impact on the clubhouse? No, I mean, it's a two part question. So I answer yeah. the first part with, as far as like, I mean, you hear, you read, whatever is like the relationship between cash and Booney or yeah. between Hal and cash and all. And it's, I think it's a little bit of a mixture of all three. If, just being you guys are directly centered in it. Like I'm seeing it from afar reading and kind of knowing how Cashman works. Cause I had to deal with him all the time. Um, so I think there's a little bit and know how money oriented Hal is and, and what he wants to do in, in the aspect of that. And then obviously Booney just being a baseball guy and like probably not feeling fully vested of like hey if i want to do this can i do it it's always it always felt like they always had to ask somebody else before yeah. they did it and even even when i was playing like literally like i had the job of rules joe would literally sit down and call upstairs and be like can i throw job on today and they'd be like no he pitched two innings he has one more day off like 
So I always, I always felt like there was always something that had to be asked from somebody else. Like, you think I mean, that's still the same right now? Is that like the vibe you get watching the Yankees and seeing like the press conferences and like the in-game decision making? And the Dodgers, I think a little. Yeah, where they? Yeah, get? no, I, I, th- I think a little bit too, and I, I think as you're seeing in the playoffs right now with with some old school baseball managers and the way they handle analytically, there's. I can think of five things off the top of my head where everybody would be like, nope, he's gone. Christian Javier walks three people, bases loaded. Dusty's like, this is my dude. Gets out of the inning, doesn't do it. And that's just a feel. Like I was listening to Tim Kirchin on uh, FT, and that was one of the things that he was like mad about, like certain things that are happening where there's no more feel. I was talking to Adam Jones about that as well. We were going back and forth. And there's there's dudes and, and you see why Dusty Baker and Bruce Boats are still around. So, yeah, from that aspect, too, I, I think Booney obviously is a ba- I mean, he's a baseball mind. He's grown up around the game. He's, that's the only thing he's known. But then, I mean, as far as. The changing of guard and like it was just completely different because. Tory would he was literally let Derek and those guys take care of everything. They were kind of the ones that did it. And he just, he kind of just sat back and, you know, was playing, was playing chess with what we needed to do. And then Joe came in and Girardi and was like, he'd just been off from manager of the year, went to the media, but he had just been removed playing with these guys and against these guys, not very long. So at first you could tell it was a little bit weird. Just like almost like peers. Right, right. Instead of like the manager aspect mm-hmm. of it, um, but I mean, Joe Girardi was great. I mean, I mean, obviously, super analytical Northwestern guy. Um, I mean, just somebody that was never unprepared. But I mean, he also had Rob Thompson there too, which we've also seen what he's done. So, um, yeah, I think I think a little bit of that can can change the dynamic. But when you had guys like we had in the clubhouse, it it's really hard to change that when you have those leaders and having somebody come in that they're familiar with anyways. You also went through something that I think, um, you know, right now where we're in a tough spot where we don't know what's deficient on the roster or how many new faces they need or how much free agent spending they have to do. You were there for, okay. Oh, wait, we missed the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Oh, nine. They are the off season champions. They bring in all these big names even under the radar guys like Nick Swisher. Um, how was it adjusting that offseason when the expectations are, you know, placed upon your shoulders and and all the offseason headlines are the Yankees went out and did A, B, C, you know, Burnett, Sabathia, Teixeira. They went crazy. Now they're the center of the baseball universe again. I think it was obviously missing the last year of the old stadium, not making the playoffs and doing that. And then the opening of the new stadium. And it's kind of like, okay, let's, it, it was, there was kind of like an aura, like seeing what they were doing in the off season. You're like, Oh, this is good. This is it. Like, here we go. Like, and knowing I'd gotten to know CC a little bit, didn't, didn't know AJ or, or Mark. And obviously uh, got to know Swish a little bit. Cause I punched him out on a ball. That was like two balls outside and he yelling at me the next day in BP, which was kind of funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, seeing that in, in the moves and, and kind of like where the, the state of they are at right now, it's like they've made some moves and some have paid off and some have it. And it just, I think that 
that 09 year, it was just as soon as we got into it and we seen how everybody just clicked. And then, you know, all of a sudden we get like two come from behind wins and then it starts the pie and everything. It just kind of like we got off to a slow start that year. If you guys remember, it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't a great start. Oh, yeah. It was oh, yeah. not a great start. So I mean, that's, it's finding the right personnel, I think is a part of it too. And I, and I think obviously bringing up Jason at the end and Wellesley and all the, it's, you know, let them get their feet wet where it's, the game is not as fast as it is. Like when we were, I mean, literally they're like, all right, we're going to be in the playoffs because of me. And I'm like, no, I didn't. There's all these other guys are way better than me. I just helped. And so I think getting their feet wet and the understanding of kind of them being the next level and them not having to, you know, press. And, you know, when you get to the big leagues, you press anyway. So, I mean, it's just, you, you, you dream to getting there. So, and now feeling comfortable and, that's the thing I love about when they bring those young kids into uh, spring training where now when they get, they, they feel a little more comfortable because you know, they, they at least face to name, like you may not go to dinner or have a beer with him, but at least you know who the heck he is. So yeah, I think with, with what they have, do I think they'll do anything in the off season? I mean, if I had a coin, I'd flip it because that's probably the best guess either of us have. So um I think there needs to be some things done, obviously, but wherein lies the bits and pieces you need to fit together of what you feel like is coming back. Yeah, I think well, I think we'll get to that in a minute because we we want your thoughts on there. But I I, I want to touch quickly before we move on from two thousand nine. Like, I guess these last few years we've been waiting. Like, we thought this past off season was going to be like the big overhaul. We got. Carlos Rodon and then they said there was another move left and then nothing ever happened so it was like every all the wind got sucked out of the sails um for an offseason like 2009 it was like full bore they went after it you knew exactly what they were doing like from a player perspective what was the locker room like like your conversations with other teammates like did that type of buzz and the lead up and then the execution there like drastically improve morale or do you, are you guys just sitting there waiting around being like oh we'll believe it when we see it I think knowing the the character of the guys coming in and, you know, Tex coming off, I think he went over to the Braves in 08 and, and kind of went off. I think he went over there at the trade deadline. And, you know, obviously facing AJ when he was with Doc, that, that was never fun having those two. <laughs> um, but then seeing, obviously, seeing what C did with Milwaukee and like, you know, your nuts are on the line free agency and you're yeah. CG, CG doing it. Like, you knew he was a gamer from day one. So that that was but it was just trying to figure out like how the mix would be. Like we kind of knew what swish was in that aspect and where do they fit in? And, you know, you, you had those little pieces in the puzzle of Matsui that would crack a joke and you'd be like, where did that come from? <laughs> and, you know, you'd have the vocal leaders and, and those things like that. So I think there was just the craziest dynamic was like, we always weren't thinking about baseball. It was like we get to spring training and, Kakuza comes over, he goes, what locker do you want? So it was kind of like everybody coming together as one because it was all new. Cause we're all going to a new stadium. We're all doing this together. And even though we got new players and that's, I mean, spring training and, you know, just the dinners and, and the camaraderie and everybody, I mean, you know, the 4th of July parties that you can't mention half of it. And, you know, just <laughs> the time you spent together and, you know, I think I think that's vital. And I, I think, you know, there's guys like, you know, C was great about it. And, you know, he he wanted that. AJ was great about it. 
Guardy was great about it. And you just, you had those guys that just have the innate ability to bring people together. And I'm not saying that that team doesn't have it. I'm not in, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the clubhouse. You know, we I'm wonder it all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. And so it's just, that goes further than you think. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that was a huge part of, you know, everybody just hanging out. It was never, it didn't feel like you were going to work. And obviously it never does. You're playing baseball, but at times you're like, okay, we're, this is 13 in a row. You're just like, golly, but you were excited to go to the yard. Like you're excited. I mean, like I said, a little slow start, not like, not like we anticipated, but we knew what we had and, and we knew that we were going to have some guys that could, could help us and, and, and be the leaders because they've done it before. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a fun team to be around. It was, you know, just the memories and, and all the things that, you know, we were able to accomplish. And, and obviously I think the biggest one that, you know, sometimes I even realize is like, we started that legacy. So far past when I'm gone and that stadium still stands, we won the first ever championship. And then I stand in the old stadium as the last ever strikeout at the old stadium. So it's like, you know, just having, and not to say it's with any other team is, is probably not as vast and as noted, but man, it's, it's, I'll get messages from people like, dude, you're a trivia question or you were on this card and something. It's like, I played for the Brewers, no disrespect, but unless I'm Bob Euchre robbing you out, like nobody cares. So that's the cool part. And then, like I said, the 09 team was just fun to be around, just personalities everywhere. And, you know, just a bunch of dudes having fun playing baseball. I was going to ask who the sneaky, funniest guy in the 09 locker room was, but it kind of sounds like it was Masui. It kind of sounds like you answered the question. Well, yeah, because every, every time that we would we would have a dinner or something, like welcome back dinner or in spring training or whatever, he was 55, I was 62, so I would always sit next to him. There was one day he poked his finger in my bread, and I almost peed myself. <laughs> and he'd always have, like, these real nice watches. I'm like, Masui, what? He's like, oh number 55 and i'm like oh shocker (laughs) he was great he was great at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. That season, uh, we have to ask about this because we've been curious about it for like 15 years. I mean, we we still live the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. I think it's tapering off a little bit, but Thomas and I definitely wake up every day and think about the Red Sox. And I don't want to, but I do. Um, you guys were definitely part of like the last great intense generation of Yankee Sox that 09 that four game series in the Bronx that got crazy when you you could really feel that team revving up hitting the gas um and at the center of it you and Kevin Euclid used to go after each other a lot um or you used to go up and in on you like is there anything to that or was it just he's standing over the plate I gotta back him off no honestly I think maybe Two or three times in my career, I've thrown two balls in the same spot, and it just happened to be to him, one of them. Um, no, I just, I mean, the first the first time it all happened, it was my first ever chance at a save. 
And so I get ran by Angel Hernandez and shocker. Um, <laughs> no warning, no nothing. And I'm like, this is my first ever save. Like, what? I'm not trying to hit the dude. And then after that, I was like, all right, if he's going to, if this is going to be the way it is, let's have at it. So, and they knew every time we were at Fenway, I beat Beckett one to nothing, I think, or something. And this was before we had to have separate workout facilities. So we would get our time in there. And Poppy came up to me and we became good friends. One of my dad's favorite players. And I think he likes him more than me, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I was going, why does it like, you guys know what's going to happen. I'm either going to, I'm going to throw in and he knows I'm going to throw in. And if I hit him, I hit him. If I don't, I get him off the plate and make him uncomfortable. And he was like, I go, why doesn't he come get me? And he was like, well, look at you. And I was like, and he goes, I don't know. Well, then later that year, he ends up going to get Porcello and, and gets made fun of by everybody. Like, oh, you went and got a rookie? Like, as Porcello tosses him on the ground. But he later became a teammate for like three weeks. But that went over like a fart in church. That is yeah, exactly ask how we that. wanted to follow yeah. that. Yeah, because we, I mean, we're watching the current team where Josh Donaldson comes in after beefing with Derek Cole a little bit. They say, water under the bridge, no big deal. But his tenure in pinstripes is definitely a little odd. You guys had Euclid for, like you said, a couple of weeks. Uh, how did the clubhouse treat that? And he was gone so quickly, but still. I mean, as soon as it happened, I reached out to Zillow and I was like, hey, can I get his number? Like, let's let's have a conversation before it gets because it's as soon as he signed. It's, you know, the yeah. videos and stuff came out, whatever. So Zillow was like, yeah, you know what? Just talk to him, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if I've told anybody this story, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so this was like right when he signed. And that was early, early off season. It was like one for like 12 or something like that. And so I think it's maybe like no, early November-ish. And so call, leave a message and be like, hey, this is Java. Send him a text. I was like, feel free to call me whenever you want. You know, this, that, and another thing. Well, it's February. Crickets. He, we obviously there early. Sees next to me. I stand up to like say hi. He walks straight past me. I was like, "Fuck this guy." Yeah. Sees like, come on. And then he turns around and he goes, "Oh, I didn't see you." And then his yeah. next excuse was, "Oh, sorry, man. I dropped my phone in the ocean three months ago." <laughs> yeah good talk bro like go kick rocks gotta get that phone out of the ocean dude you got a lot of off-season business <laughs> but yeah it's and it's not like your phone isn't backed up anyways like it's not like we're living in the stone age with flip phones like come on guy you've done yeah the cloud. yeah breaking he uh yeah he he was around for a couple it's been the, it's like his back i think he broke his back or back something but yeah, didn't didn't come around, didn't come around, nothing, blah, blah, blah. Then it's the all-star game, and he all of a sudden shows up and we're like, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I just wanted to go to the parties. I go, We don't want you here all the time. We don't even want you here now. And then to make him to make it even worse, so he married Tom Brady's sister. So we're starting our fantasy league, and we have like the uh our little group chat or whatever, and he's like, Oh, can I be in it? And all of us are like, no. Well, we didn't say that. And then he was just like, 
well, who's going to, who, who's going to draft my brother-in-law, blah, blah, blah. We're like, dude, nobody cares. Like <laughs> nobody cares. Like you're not going to be in the league anyways. And it's just like, yeah, it wasn't, I mean, good for him that he got 12 million out of it, but yeah, he was a turd. A quick <laughs> The last yeah, five I, minutes might've been the best five minutes of my entire life. I just think. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, we're always questioning the, you know, the organization's, you know, finger on the pulse of the locker room and even the fan base. Like, you know, the, everyone likes to allude to the fact that George Steinbrenner uh, did a lot of what he did because he was listening to the fans. Um, but now it feels like we've gone in a complete 180 where it's like the front office sometimes doesn't have a clue with what's going on in the locker room. Like, that a move like bringing in Euclid seemed like something that would hurt team chemistry for no reason. Same thing with Donaldson. And I think we saw like very, even though there wasn't anything publicly going on with Donaldson there, there were a few instances where you're like, is something going on behind the scenes here? That's definitely disrupted what was happening in the locker room. So, you know, in the current state of the Yankees, you feel like, and you know, in your, I guess your experience with the front office, cause it's still lasted since you've been there. Do you think that there is maybe that lack of oversight in terms of their, um, you know, care and attention to detail with the players and their relationships and like the overall chemistry? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's a huge part of it. And I, I think when it comes down to the decision-making and, and like we've talked about earlier, it's like, you know, the chain of command and whatever, but also the players are part of that command as well. And so I never forget in, in the teams and as I've gotten older and, and got the respect and whatever, I've been in conversations where the managers called me in and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? Like, do you think it's a good fit? Do you think, I mean, at the end of the day, are they going to be like, no, Java, CC, and they don't want him. Like, are they going to take that to heart and be like, nope, that's the final decision? But I think they're in context of what it is, that's a huge part. And to your point, is like, yeah, you have beef here, but at the same time, between the lines, you know, we're we're all in one thing. Well, you hope, you hope. <clears throat> Come to find out some people aren't, and that's just that's the nature of the beast. But I think that's part of it where. Now it's like, I don't like this dude and I don't have to like him. Like not inviting to my kid's birthday party, but you know, if he pulls, he pulls the stuff that he's pulled before, it's like, you don't want to hate him because he's on your team. But then it's like, there's a little bit of animosity. And does, does that affect, because you don't necessarily have to say anything to piss off a clubhouse. Like it's just the way you act or the way you mm -hmm. present yourself or the things like that. So I think when it comes down to that, I think it plays a part of it. And I think, you know, if you're going to make the decision for the team, I think the leaders of the team and, you know, Aaron and Garrett, like they need to be in the conversation and be like, hey, you know what? <clears throat> I know this dude, like this is a good fit. And, it, and most of those are like not like the huge names. It's like, oh, can we add this piece? And it's like, no, he's he's great. He's great in the clubhouse. He's great with young guys or or whatever. And I, I just think that needs to be a part of it. Because as I've seen, that's it's worked and been a part of those conversations. So I, I think I don't know what the disconnect is in, in the fact of are we just living and dying by the book of analytics or do are we having any feel of how much deeper the game is still 
is analytics a part of the game? Yes, 100%. Like, I'm an old school baseball guy, but I know that plays a part in it now. But I think there needs to be more of the feel and like the things we've seen in the playoffs and the feel, obviously, from the front office as well. <clears throat> I mean, you got to see what I see and what he's doing. Former player brings in a guy that knows what he's doing. His associate manager is a former player. Both went to Princeton. Shocker. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they need to dive into not only the the analytical part, because I know the front office is big on that, but also go in the clubhouse and see, you know, hey, you guys want new couches. Like, do you, you what do you need? Like, is there is there something we can make better so when you get here that – you know, you, you want to be here. You don't like, or, Hey, <clears throat> you think this is a good idea, you know, sit in Booney's office and pal and cash come down and you're like, Hey, we got a chance at a, B and C. What do you think here? And just, I mean, it, it can't hurt. You have any specific moves that you're looking at this off season that you would make if you were in charge, or is it mostly that mindset adjustment for you, making sure you're getting the right veterans, getting the glue guys and getting that balance of analytics and old school. I think it's the balance of both. I mean, obviously the talents there, we, we, we see it's there. I mean, obviously staying healthy is, is huge, but that's a cliche we can say every year for every team, you know? Um, but I, I just think there needs a better balance of, you know, what, what is the goal? I mean, obviously the goal is to win a world championship. Like we all know that, like, but where do we start? we got to crawl before we walk. So where does the, the building block start at? And, and is it front office? Is it players? Is it mindset? Is it changing of the guard? Is like, there's so many things that, that I think could happen but we also thought a lot was going to happen last season too. And, you know, we got Rodon and that was it. Um, so therein lies like the flipping of a coin. Is it, is it going to be a yard sale? Is it going to be all in? Is it going to be a little bit of both? <clears throat> I mean, everybody's not going to be happy, but I think a majority of fans would be happy if there were some, I wouldn't say drastic changes, but some significant changes. And in, in what capacity? I don't know. Yeah, something where it seems like they're they're making an effort to swerve in another direction. I don't know if swerve is the right word, but at this point, it just feels like they got to do they got to go off they got to go off the path quickly to just figure out what what's wrong. Um, you know, and if you're you're dialed in, you're watching every game, um, you're looking at it through the fan lens at this point in your career with the the you know the gift of having the player perspective as well. So. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff on social media where it's like you're listening to the fans and you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, what do you think? Like the fans are relentless and they're critical. A, I think, you know, do you think they have a right to be that way at this point? What like what aspect of that do you maybe most agree with that they're saying like a specific thought or a take on what's wrong with everything? And then what do you think the fans are completely wrong about? Like something that you continue to hear over and over again that you, that you think is false? Oh, I mean, there's. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you see it all the time. It's, it's this person's fault. You need to get rid of Stanton. You need to do this. You need to do that. Um, I think to an extent, the fans have a right. Without, If I suck, you should boo me. I have not, nothing wrong with that. I know I suck. I'm there too. You're paying your hard-earned money to come watch me 
And if I don't succeed, I people that bitch and moan about booing, like, dude, you get mad when your dude on fantasy doesn't do well and you lose your week. Like, it's the same thing. And I, I think, I think I heard a lot more of it when it, it was at the deadline this year, and we're like, oh, let's do something, and then <laughs> we get a reliever, and everybody in that aspect where. I think what they want to see, like like I said earlier, is they want to see some type of change that feels like we're going in the right direction. And what what is that? And and some people say it needs to be fire and capture. Some people say it needs a, a lineup overhaul. Like I think the the one, probably the one that I've read the most and have heard the most from people is just the lack of consistency from a lot of the people. And I, it's, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's a hard game and, and I get it, but then it's obviously, you know, they can't stay healthy. They can't do this. And that's part of the game too. And I, so I think, I think the fans and, and they're wanting something to be done. I don't think there's one specific, I just think they want to see one, avenue of something going in the right direction and it, and that, that doesn't necessarily mean getting rid of somebody that doesn't necessarily mean lineup overhaul getting rid of somebody's contract it's finding that piece where you're like oh yeah that's that's it or making multiple moves that maybe aren't the biggest but it looks like it adds a dynamic to our team that is putting us in the right direction i mean everybody everybody's ecstatic i mean you heard it from literally the all-star break on. It's like, bring up these young kids. We ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Like let them play, get experience. And I, I don't think they're wrong. I think some of them, they got brought up at the right times. Um, but yeah, I, I think they just, they want to see something that's putting it in the right direction and not, not doing anything and be like, Oh, we're just okay. Does any free agent or trade candidates stand out to you? That would like be, at least the start of a difference maker to, to turn things around. Ooh. Like if I you mean, were Cashman and you had one move, like one big move to make this off season, what, what do you think you'd do? I don't let me go to my notes right now. Cause I actually just, or I guess look, if you were Hal, cause if Hal's uh, gone, this imping on the money. <laughs> okay. So before I get to that, do you, do you, I mean, you guys, obviously, do you think that he is the one making the final decision? Brian Cashman? No. How? Oh, Hal Steinbrenner. Um, we think that, I think, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we think he probably gives Cashman, you know, the limitations before before the moves have to be made, and then Cashman is, in a sense, working around these constraints, and then maybe it does create a situation where, like, he has to make a Donaldson trade instead of sign Corey Seager or Carlos Correa and things like that. So yeah. I think that's where we felt the the holding back has has largely come from. I think we also think that Cashman is overly um, uh, protective of his trade assets and he likes to minimize risk in a lot of moves that he does instead of like. We we love we love to talk about Dave Dombrowski. Um, I think we talk about Dave Dombrowski once a week on this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Everybody criticizes, you know, Red Sox fans whining about how the farm system was gutted after he left. And it's like, he got your World Series. He did exactly what you needed him to do. 
Um, and it's that I think we have the combination of the restraints that are given at the onset of the offseason, coupled with the fear of making a mistake that doesn't allow the team to, you know, take you know, get to the next level, at least over these next five, uh, last five or six years. Well, yeah, I mean, and you see what he's doing with the Phillies now. I mean, exactly. All these a, veterans, all these like Kyle Schwarber, who we heard the Yankees loved forever. He's the one who went out and got him. Well, yeah, and it's you knew what you were going to get with Kyle Schwarber. I mean, literally his stat line is an anomaly if you look at it. And yeah. like the year that he's had with hitting a buck 90, but getting 100 walks. I was just I was looking him up the other day because there was, was talking about something of just how crazy he is like. Ian Snell's a year, like he's going to win the Cy Young. But if you look at his numbers, you're like, whoa. But I mean, as far as as far as free agency and somebody, I mean, obviously, what's going to be talked about is going to be talked about. Um, and who knows what he's going to do? Um, but I just, there's not one where it stands out to to where I think it's a difference. I think this is a year where you can get some mid-tier guys that are going to come in and, and do some really good things and be consistent. Um, and part of it too, so some guys can't play in New York. I mean, that's just, that's the nature of the beast. And that's, that's where I think having that right personality and I love AJ Burnett, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't a New York guy. He just, I mean, he wasn't, and I, I love him to death. But you've seen what he did. You know, in Toronto, he could kind of lay under the radar because he had Doc. Then he, he could lay under the radar, but everything was magnified here. Then he goes to Pittsburgh and becomes beloved in Pittsburgh. So I, I think there's I think there's going to be key pieces that need to be added. I don't necessarily know if there's one huge one. I mean, I would like, in essence, to get another another pitcher. I mean, do you go after and these are the other ones that you think about. You go after the Bellingers that have a comeback year. And it's like, oh, well, he has ties. So you think about that. And, and would he be comfortable? Yeah. But it's, you know, one of those things where you don't know. I mean, he's obviously, you know, knows the Yankees and the history and having a great year. Um, I think somebody like that is going to be pivotal in not only the experience and winning and, you know, playing in, in bigger markets. I, I think those are the kind of little pieces that they need to put together. They got superstars. I mean, that's, that's a no brainer. You've you got dudes. So I, I think those little pieces, and I think, you know, two, three, four, I, I think is would put us in the right place. I mean, obviously there's still some contracts still on the line, but I, I think there's, there's some good free agents. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a few where it's, uh, I mean, do you, are you taking a chance? And that that may be a flyer where you could take a chance, get a guy for cheap, see what happens, and go from there. I mean, it's it, it's just there's so many intangibles to building a team and, and how it is constructed. I think there there needs to be those guys that fill in that aren't the superstar that could sit there and you know let Garrett take care, let Judge take care, like let those guys do it. Because I mean that's Derek. I mean ninety percent he got interviewed every day, and he you know he would take care of it. And so it, it, I think there's there's that component of it where I think for me personally that's kind of the way I would attack it. 
Well, Java, this has been uh, amazing, and you're definitely preaching to the choir here with everything that you're endorsing. Uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll end on a fun one. Uh, it's Halloween in New York. It's coming up. Uh, you mentioned those July 4th parties that you can't talk about. We won't make you talk about them, but uh, did you ever have like a Halloween party memory, a crazy Halloween party in New York that like stands out as like, I'm in the greatest city in the world. This is the weirdest holiday, and we're just having like a blowout. Um. Not, I mean, not really, like, some of the, I mean, some of the costumes were, I mean, like, obviously, professional costumes. Um, probably my most Halloween-ish moment, I was actually, I just got drafted. I was in Hawaii, and we had the day off, and so we're walking around, and uh, we were staying on Waikiki, and Hawaii Pacific is, their dorms are right there. And when I tell you, it is no holes barred down there. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to have a costume on. You just go butt naked. <laughs> and and some, some it was great. Some it wasn't so great. But yeah, I mean, there's, I've never been more freaked out. There was a chick that was the ring girl. And she like came oh, up man. and like tapped me on the shoulder. Yeah. I peed a little. I peed a little, scared me. <laughs> but yeah, that was probably, there was, New York was cool just because of like the, the dynamic and like the costumes and how cool they were. But yeah, Halloween and, and Waikiki Beach was was a free for all. It was we had we had a lot of fun that night. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, uh, Java, this has been incredible. Uh, look forward to keeping in touch with you as the season goes on, the off season goes on. Hopefully, we learn uh, pretty quickly what direction it takes. Uh, but we, you know, we'll have you back anytime you want to come. This was uh, amazing to get to chat with you and great window into everything we want to know about. So thank you so much. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.